break this time. Where have you been? Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert, frequent guest of the program. Welcome back. Welcome back. As I think I heard on the air this morning, I'm not dead yet. (laughs) (laughs) I feel happy. I feel happy. I am not dead yet. So you were in Auckland, New Zealand. That I was, although I, your trip looked like something pretty exciting. I was, ironically, I was looking at those pictures while I was in New Zealand. Cool. Um, we were, we looked, were trotting the globe. Yeah, we were. That you know what? You can find WTMJ News now everywhere. That's true. <laughs> there it is. Someone racked that. Somebody racked that that little audio. Um, yeah, I was in uh, Auckland, New Zealand for the International Association of Women Police Conference. Um, you do not have Bonnie Raitt on, by the way, if people just tuned in um, little, as your special guest. I've got a little, I'm a little rough this morning because, uh, uh, the 22 hours that it takes to travel there is no joke. It's a journey. It is no joke. And, you know, air travel is already uncivilized. You were just traveling, you know. Crazy. Story. Crazy. Absolutely uncivilized. It's the word I'm I'm gonna use now to label this. What's Un- the what's the flight time between here and there? Forever. Um, <laughs> it, it was good lord I, it was you know three bad meals and a and a, and a nasty snack that's um, like a whole day deal right it is well and, because and then count in the time changes because my old boyfriend used to travel to see his family in australia and it was 36 hours and it was chicago to la then sometimes to auckland mm-hmm. then to australia so yeah it's it's yeah. not just a smooth it ain't no concord anymore oh no <laughs> this is uh you, you can fly direct from chicago uh in, it's an i think it's about a 16 hour flight uh but it's 16 hours with strangers people i don't like people I coughing just, on you people caught well i was the one coughing so oh, you know it so was, you were the bad disgusting. person i was the bad person um, but I just kind of gave people the, the stink eye and said, ah, just buy Delta Comfort next time. If All right, hold there. that thought, because we've got to take another quick breaker to catch up, but I want to hear about what you were doing there. Absolutely. And then we, Sandy and I have, have kept a couple stories that were breaking while you were gone, and we want to ask you about those in, in your role as a, as a communications expert. Annie Schwartz, our guest, as normally she is on every, Tuesday, on every Wednesday, so glad to have you back. Quick break here on WTMJ Now. Oh, we always have something to talk about when Andy Schwartz joins us in studio today from our Avenue studio, Sandy Max and Steve. All right, so you were in Auckland, New Zealand. You're at a Women in Policing conference? Absolutely. International Women, International Association of Women Police, IAWP. Uh, it's an international organization, and it is, there's actually a, an association of, of Wisconsin of, of uh, women of police, but in this case, I was one of, I think, about 50. Uh, people from the United States that was there. And I was there to talk about strategic communication in law enforcement and then also to present on the, on the Dahmer case, which, you know, is, is worldwide is still, you know, even if, if we don't want to talk about it in Milwaukee, there, the rest of the world wants, to, wants to talk about that it. That hasn't changed, right? No, that has not changed. And I think that one of the things that was interesting to these women and they, they didn't know that a woman, was the person who broke the story originally. Oh, really? And they were very fascinated about that angle. Because while we don't think twice about it, in other countries, when a woman does something that gets a lot of attention, they're just like, we gotta, you know, we, we've gotta highlight that, we've gotta talk about that. But, uh, it was, it was an incredible experience. And I think one of the things you find is that women are, uh, women in policing, women, you know, affinity groups, when we get together, we, 
You know, we just we just have a commonality immediately. Uh, We have a, a camaraderie immediately. And because everybody there knows what it's like to come in to a law enforcement organization and 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 be different and be female. And we're not we're not doing boohoo. We're I was just going to say, no just being me. different, just yeah. being just different. having a, a different experience. Absolutely, yeah. but you find that all of our different experiences are all pretty much the same. Hmm. And we, uh, it, it was amazing. This was last week. Friday was my one year um, ankle versary, as I like to call it. <laughs> My brand new. How's the ankle doing? You're on the mend. Well, I still walk like a toddler with a full diaper. I can't help it. I mean, this is just kind of what it looks like. I waddle a little bit, but won't uh, be a sprinter in your future. No, but it's getting better. I had a golf lesson yesterday, which wow, that's good. That's progress. Way to use an 85 degree day. Oh, listen, (laughs) the poor Nick Dunham, the 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 pro at the Milwaukee Athletic Club. That guy's probably in therapy today. I'm like, (laughs) don't move the ankle. It's like, well, we kind of need the ankle. So, um, give me some takeaways because we're gonna we gotta take another break here, and I want to get to some other <coughs> stuff. Your takeaways from your trip. The takeaways from the trip. Gosh, there were so many. The when I talk about the anniversary, the reason I, I make fun of that is because we had a parade of nations the very first day, and the parade of nations was when all the women carrying the flags of their uh, of their countries. Uh, marched in a parade. We were in alphabetical order uh, and marched through the streets of Auckland. It was about a mile uh, through the waterfront, across a bridge, and all kinds of people, tourists that were there in Auckland that really didn't know what was going on, all stood on the side and they cheered. Hmm. I mean, when the women from Ukraine walked by, they were just, the crowd went crazy. It was it was a really, it was a, a great feeling of being part of something international as opposed to that that what we always talk about is like the family of policing this was was proof positive that it is international and we are all working towards the same things we're all dealing with the same things it's just as my dad used to say you know same dog different fleas and that's what you see when it comes to crime and violent crime around the or just around the world you hear a lot about representation being important as we get into the 21st century here and for all the tourists to see people from their country and for kids to see this is nearly a thousand women from all around the world who are helping keep us safe who are working together and it was all women it was all women there were a few commanders uh that were male that came and that's a, that's important to see because we need men who are in those higher positions to to bring us up and to promote and to recognize the contributions but it was uh it was a it was an amazing experience that way and and the women from Ukraine. Oh, what a story. I I, I got to tell you that to talk to those women incredible. They th- there was a, a woman um Olha Olha uh, uh I I can't remember the last name right now because it's 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 very long but she sent her children to live with her parents in another country mm. so that she could stay and police the streets and the city of Kiev where she lives. And that is some kind of that's a sacrifice that that I I can't even I can't even wrap my brain around. She is Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert. I want to ask you a question after the break specifically: What do women in leadership in law enforcement bring that's different and unique, and maybe is a game changer when it comes to all the things we talk about every day? And we're talking about crime in America and, and here in Milwaukee. Annie Schwartz, Sandy, Steve. After this. <laughs> Law enforcement communi- communications expert Annie Schwartz joining us. Stephen Sandy at WTMJ now. Annie's our regular guest on Wednesday. She's been out of the country. So I asked you the question before the break, Annie, 
Uh, and I think it's important because we know that women are making up a larger and larger percentage of leadership positions within law enforcement, public safety. We're hoping. There's a movement called 30 by 30. Yes. Which says... You talked about that before. We've talked about it before. We can't talk about it enough. And this is it a worldwide movement? It is. Okay. It, this is one of those issues that you don't just talk about it once and then it's like, ah, we talked about that. We have to keep talking about this so people keep thinking about it. But what's surprising to me is 30 by 30 means that we would like for there to be in each police department, 30% of the, of the police force uh, is, is represented by women uh, by 2030. And when you, we were asking for a show of hands over New Zealand, and the New Zealand police raised their, ha- raised their hands, they have 42% of their police force is women. Hmm. Uh, other countries are doing a heck of a lot better than we are in that way. However, there's a difference between having women in your ranks and having women in leadership roles. And so that is really what we're trying to do. We want to develop those leaders of tomorrow. So what do women bring to leadership that's different than men? There has to be some difference. Now, there are there are a number of, of studies out there that have been done just so that we're not out there, you know, saying things without without any kind of backup. And I'll tell you that there that, that we know that women police officers use less force when they are uh, when they are making arrests or when they're having contact with subjects. They are. It is much easier uh, for many victims to speak with a woman after certain sensitive crimes like sexual assault, domestic violence. Uh, and, and we have found that when you look at the number of disciplines, we have an awful lot of, uh, of women. We, we, I should say we have fewer women being disciplined than men. Hmm. Now, you know, we, we can have, I'm sure that, you know, text line is lighting up with people saying, oh my gosh, that old trope. But no, it, it really is true. Women use less force. Uh, women also fire their weapons less often. They fire their they fire their service weapon less often than than men do. They're more likely to use de-escalation techniques than they are to immediately go to force. Let me come from the male perspective. Can men in law enforcement learn that example, that leadership example? I think so. Right? Is this one of the recipes to have better results, better community policing? Well, having women in leadership roles shows everyone else. Yes, they're, they're the leaders, so they share they show everyone else how to comport themselves when they're, you know, when they're, they're at work. When I look at a lot of the, uh, I look at a lot of the chiefs that I've worked with and worked for, uh, there's definitely a difference between the way that officers respond and react when they have a, a, a woman who's in charge as opposed to a male who's in charge. There are some of these special teams that we have here in the United States uh, are still mostly men. The SWAT teams. Uh, I was at the, I remember coming on here when we talked about the National Association of, uh, or the National Tactical Officers mm-hmm. Association. I think there were two women that attended that conference. Um, in Milwaukee, we really were pretty much ahead of the curve. We had, uh, I think, I, I can't remember what it was. I know that uh, that Kathy Whitman was one of the, I uh, believe, the first female sergeant in, in charge of the tactical unit in Milwaukee. But we're seeing more and more women. But that one is a tough one. You wouldn't necessarily think that. But but we're we're having a lot of challenges getting women into those special teams areas, uh, and we need them desperately there. We need them as uh, crisis negotiators. We need them as hostage negotiators. But we also need that different perspective from the the perspective that we have had for so long in law enforcement. 
Annie Schwartz, take another break here. We're going to have Annie hang around through the top of the hour news, which is coming up, oh, in about eight minutes or so. And then we're going to talk about some local stories that uh, you may have missed. And I, I think I cued you into them this morning. But um, some things that happened locally that I want to get your comments on, because they do involve communication. And, and one of them is sort of a big picture story that we talked about yesterday, uh, having to do with retail theft and communication from law enforcement on that issue. Annie Schwartz, Sandy Steve, WTMJ Now. Couple minutes in this hour, but Annie's going to stick around for the uh, beginning of the ten o'clock hour because we want to talk about retail theft, some of the communication issues with that. Another interesting story that developed while you were gone. It was about it was last week, sometime where a grant application was deadline was missed, costing fifteen million dollars of potential police hires. And I want to get your thoughts on that. And and kind of just to segue into all of that, um, you are someone who talks about communication and policing all the time. So I've asked you this question before, but in the context of some of the, the newer things that have happened, the places you've been, is it getting better when, it, when you're talking about communications between departments and communities? Is it getting better? The communications piece is still one that we have a lot of work to do. I really want to be able to say, sure, it's getting better, Steve. Hey, yeah, we're, you know, but I think departments are still struggling not just to get the message out, but what is that message? What are they telling uh, people to do? You know, I when I look at the um, at, at any of the high profile uh, policing cases that we have had, law enforcement cases that we have had, just in the, we'll say just in the last month, communications the first thing I look at. What are you telling people? Uh, I look at the case of the uh, of the little girl that disappeared in New York. Great example of communication by that police department. But we need to give the crimes not just. Uh, these crimes against children, these these possible kidnapping abduction cases, we need to give those our all. We need to give it all for the these other cases where we need people to keep their eyes open to look out. Everybody will look out and say, we've got to solve this case that involves this child. And I, I certainly get that. But we also have to, I shouldn't say but, period. We also have to uh, put that same kind of urgency uh, out there when it comes to, to solving crimes. I'm seeing that there's a lot more use while the bad guys are using social media to videotape their acts when they are doing certain certain things out in public. I'm also seeing law enforcement get screenshots of those of those pictures and share them wildly. They're crowdsourcing detective work. And that's the the direction we're going. now. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because we don't have a ton of time here. But I want to wrap that around the thing because that social media piece, there's now people saying, well, maybe police shouldn't be allowed to follow people on social media as a policing tool. I completely disagree with that. That is a valuable tool. Why would why would you restrict the police from doing something that Joe Schmo and everybody else can do? Well, especially since we've heard a lot of these organized theft mobs who are just bashing in and <laughs> coming in with 20 people and grabbing and running out, that those seem to be organized by social media, not just people texting among each other, okay, hey, you ready to go? Like, that it's happening through social media. It's a very dangerous and, and new kind of a flash mob. We mm-hmm. are going to, just scratching the surface, because now we're going to get the specifics with Annie about some of these big issues that we've been talking about over the last months and years with Annie Schwartz. She is our guest Welcome back to the United States, Annie Schwartz. Good to Thank have you, you so back. much. It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Now, here's your hosts, Sandy Max and Steve Scafidi. Indeed, I'm Steve. I'm Sandy. Yes. And I'm Annie. Yay! Hey, well done. It is the Law Enforcement Hour, a little extended version. 
Yeah, we obviously had the breaking news yesterday, and we covered that the first first half hour of the program. We're going to get back to that at some point because I think there's some serious questions that we have to ask ourselves. Because by the way, we send these people to Washington, and uh, we were talking a little bit off air there. The, I was in Italy; you were in New Zealand. Right. There's a lot of questions the the people in those countries ask about our politics. So and I have I don't know about you, Steve. I have no idea how to answer those. Yeah. I mean, when people say. What is what is happening? Well, they also, you know, they like to call it. You are the country that loves the guns. You Americans yeah, and your guns, yeah. and it's like, oh my gosh, I, I, I every anybody who has an opinion, which is everybody, right, <laughs> um, on on our politics, really should be forced to go to some other country and explain it to somebody in in yeah. in this very coherent way. Just the experience of going to another country changes the way you perceive the world because if you if you are siloed in whatever neighborhood or community or state you're siloed in, you get one perspective. There's a lot of there's a multitude of perspectives out there that you should probably at least entertain at least once just to give you a little sense of what else is going on because we're just a small part of that world. Isn't that why you love to travel? I mean, don't I, isn't I that why you do. love to travel? I How learn something every time I go. Yeah, and yeah. uh I'm still in detox from all the wine I drank, and you were talking about wine during the break, too. Oh, yeah, New Zealand, by the way. I discovered that that little local treasure. Um, went to one of their islands where they where they do the, uh, they have the wine, uh, they have the vineyards, mm-hmm. and it was, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. I love the stories about how people went there. By the way, a little off topic, but, you know, it's me. Um, I love a good tangent. Um, it, it, people go there for, like, vacation or from some, you know, from somewhere else. This is years ago. They saw farmland for sale. They saw the climate and started vineyards. And there are people there. I found some uh, a guy that was from Chicago who was running one of the vineyards. And usually when I travel, I say I'm from Chicago because when I say I'm from Milwaukee, you know, in New Zealand, I, they look at you like the dog does when it you know watches television. So I, I usually say Chicago. And this guy was like, oh my God, Milwaukee. And, you know, there are people that come there and say, Different life. I think I'm going to go for a different life. This isn't like getting the place up north when you retire from the police department. This is like, I'm going to go and I'm going to make wine in New Zealand, where even though they're speaking English, I could not understand. And it's hella far away. (laughs) All right, so a couple things that we were talking about, Sandy and I, during the last week or so while you were gone is, is... Related to communication, and one of them is retail theft. So the, Mm. the breaking news part of that was the Target had closed nine stores. Generally, inner city stores, big cities... Portland, Seattle, um, New York City, Harlem. And we talked both about the impact on the people that live there, the people that are God-fearing and, and live by the rules, their impact of having no stores. But more importantly, I, I think it raised the question about the communication piece between retailers, police, law enforcement, and the public on that issue. And we had a, a great call from, I think it was Andy from Beaver Dam mm-hmm. yesterday, a police officer. Great, relevant information, details about what they're dealing with. Mm. And there was a lot of common themes in that. And one of the things for me is that I I think there's an opportunity, because everybody's asking the the, the question, how do we fix this? It's costing us, what did I say yesterday, $122 billion a year in retail theft? Oh, get the Retail Federation of America to give you some numbers. They're they're probably going to make you fall off your chair. It's insane. And just this past week here in Wisconsin, it was Manitowoc three suspects from there that were arrested and it took you talk about communication united united states marshal service the great lakes fugitive task force to get involved because this ring of at least three people possibly more had hit walmart stores from sheboygan to fond du lac to beaver dam manitowoc but because they were even in progress stealing two thousand dollars worth of merchandise from a walmart 
Police arrived, stolen car, so different license plate. It took this coordination to get just these three people off the street. This is here. I mean, this oh, is yeah. here, people. This is not, you know, we're watching, you know, the, 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 this large flash mob group of, of saying, you know what? Calling it a flash mob makes it sound like it's something entertaining. Like they're dancing, yeah. Uh, they're and they're not. They're swiping, smash and grab. They're just a mob. They're just a mob. That's it. They're a mob and they gather on social media. And and then they, they don't just gather via social media. They do the crime and then they they promote, they brag about it on social media. A lot of times that's how we catch them. Thank goodness that they're not that, you know, S-M-A-R-T. But, you know, that uh, this is a... We have to involve these higher levels of law enforcement, like you're seeing with the U.S. Marshals. I mean, I think about the the work that uh, uh, U.S. Marshal uh, in in Wisconsin, the Eastern District of Wisconsin, Anna Rosinski, is doing as far as putting the Marshal Service behind a lot of kind of, a lot of crimes that are that are a a a step uh, a, a step I shouldn't say a step away from. Uh, but whenever they're searching for fugitives, you think that it's the it's the dangerous guy that mm-hmm. you know that 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 shot somebody, or they're 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 you know they're on the lamb. It's it's like it's the fugitive, right? But this is this is putting our best resources, our best and brightest law enforcement, to looking for the people that are committing those kind of crimes. I would like to see more stories that our media do telling people that there is every resource being pushed behind finding the people responsible. What's the right messaging, whether it's from law enforcement, whether it's from media? What is the right messaging on retail theft? Because I heard somebody, I, I read something yesterday, somebody made the comparison between the organized retail theft problem and like gun runners and bootleggers of the 1920s, same sort of organized efforts that are happening across retail establishments all across the country. What's the right messaging here? Boy, I, you know, I guess that I get the I get the Nobel Prize in law enforcement for <laughs> for figuring out what that is, but I think that there, I, I always go back to education. People need to understand, and this is something I remember when when I was at the Attorney General's office when I worked for uh, for Brad Schimmel here in Wisconsin, and we were coming, we were starting to talk about the opiate crisis, and one of the things, the first thing we had to do in eradicating the problem is you got to talk about it. You got to tell people it's happening and you have to get people to understand it's happening in your neighborhood and how it affects you. I always, whenever I do, do media training for uh, law enforcement, I always say, everybody listens to radio station WIFM. What's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. want to know how does this matter to me? And it matters to you because if you want to go to some place to, to, if you want to go to Target, you want to go to Walmart, you want to go to a big box store, uh, and, and there used to be one in your neighborhood and now there isn't, then you care about that. Now all of a sudden you're saying, well, how did that happen? So the education piece is huge. I think we have to, I, I, people don't love it. It's like, oh, all the bad news. You're telling me all the terrible things that are happening. But, but if we don't tell people that the problem is real and the problem is happening, the problem is happening in the city of Milwaukee. I'd like to see us talk about, mm-hmm. you know, some of the, the, the Milwaukee suburbs and the city of Milwaukee talk about what are we seeing here? Because people need to, to believe, first of all, that there's a problem. We don't go, we don't get anywhere with our messaging if people don't believe that it's a problem. And that's where I think that law enforcement starts with their messaging. I feel like law enforcement does what they can do. And then another piece of this puzzle that came up a lot on the old National Bank talk and text line yesterday, uh, and that even Officer Andy from Beaver Dam shared that the asset protection team at the stores that he was responding to aren't in every day. Like that staffing isn't there. Mm -hmm. So if the 
the company, if the store isn't fortifying the security, that's part of the problem because you're looking to law enforcement to solve all of it after it's been done. How much money are we going to ask these retailers to throw at the problem? I mean, you know, they're losing millions. And now we're saying not here's only another are you, cost, here's yeah. another cost for you. Uh, is it in-store security? You know, what and does is, that in-store security offset the level of theft? And what is the, you know, look at the instructions that, that, the, that the retailers are giving their employees. Don't run after these people. Right. I mean, this is kind of like when we did the no pursuit policy in the city of Milwaukee. You know, it's not a secret, guys. The bad guys know that the employees are told. Don't run after these people. The reason I brought it up because it, it seems like we're chasing our tail on this. Everybody has their reasons why they're doing certain things. And if we're not getting to a solution in whatever that is and communicating that solution effectively across all of those different platforms, I think we're going to miss something. Hey, real quick, because I know we wanna, you want, want to get you to be able to rest your voice as soon as possible. Um, real quick. I'm a professional. And you've gutted this out. <laughs> and a trooper. I know, I know your voice was not good coming in. So thanks for taking the time as always. But real quick, um, before we go to break, a, a missed opportunity for a... $15 million grant for police officers in Milwaukee. Apparently submitted something. There was a technical snafu. Deadline was missed. Lots of back and forth. We had the mayor of Milwaukee on the show, Kevlar Johnson, talking about it. Lots of different excuses, I would say. What is your perspective on how something like that happens, and, and what do you do about it when it happens? Well, I can tell you in a very general sense, because I don't have specific knowledge about this particular grant, although I, you know, it, it's, it's a big chunk of money. I think that it, this particular story involves a couple things. And one is understanding what exactly Act 12 allows and doesn't allow. And I don't know that it's, I, I now again, remember, I'm, I'm saying I don't know. I don't know. I want someone to explain. It requires them to have a, to maintain a certain level of, of officers in their departments. Correct. But, and there's a set level. But, so yes, but I'm saying that, that when we look at the, at the, at the, the wording, we look at the nuances of Act 12, don't we have to also look and say, are you saying there's, there's no way to take this cop's money? There's no way? I worked at that police department for 10 years. I watched people get grant money for everything. I mean, I have watched them qualify for grants for everything. And I just, what, what I want, and I'm not casting aspersions, but I want to really understand why the, the, the city is saying we, we, we couldn't have accepted that money. And I'm still of the belief that we could. And so I want someone to help me understand that if I'm wrong. But I don't uh, communication, Steve. What were we just talking about? Absolutely. This is one of those times when I really, you know, give me a whiteboard and sock puppets or something. Show me what, why, why you're saying we can't have this, and why didn't we fess up earlier? I'll leave it with this. And I, I, again, you're you're a trooper today, so thanks for coming. I, I don't understand when you have an opportunity to get funding. To your point exactly, you have to figure these things out. You must figure them out, and. Using a technical snafu as an excuse or somebody missed the deadline. First of all, you shouldn't be courting that deadline so close anyway. Just running right up to it. That's insane. No reasonable employee does that. That's lazy. And don't be afraid if you're a leader to call someone lazy for not doing their job. Find a way to make it happen instead of this constant refrain of city governments and leaders specifically. Our, our hands are tied. No, they're not. Figure it out. Steve, you know, and, and you worked in city government for, for longer than I did. So you know that there is 
always, I have seen people's salaries in city government paid for with some grant for something that has nothing to do yes. with the action. I mean, I've seen people get so creative with how they pay things like salaries or how they get money to start a new unit or to pay for something. Let's get creative here. I, I can't believe that we have to say, hey, thanks, but no thanks, $15 million. It's because one of the reasons was that there wouldn't have been enough trainers. Well, so, the, so just so you know, that was yeah. that was part of the the report, and and that even if the, that, and the reason why they said ah we couldn't have used it, we couldn't have facilitated it was seemingly, I say BS, but what and do you say? I, I would say I, I I trust your internal experience, <laughs> but so it does seem like again creative solutions, and in order to have fifteen million dollars and at least thirty more police officers, yeah, over uh. three years. All of the problems that we're talking about on, on this hour that we have together every week. What, what is at the bottom line with so many of them? We need more. We need more people or we need more officers. Here's the chance to make that happen. And we couldn't, we can't figure it out. So that's me asking that as a question because again, I'm not on the inside anymore. I don't know what the details were on this, but I do know that I'm glad it came to light and I'm glad that the public has a chance to hear that we do have chances to fund our law enforcement in different ways. And what are we doing with those? The brilliance, well-traveled, and funny, Annie Schwartz. <laughs> thanks for, I mean, you were a trooper today. Thanks for coming in. Uh, I always love talking law enforcement with you guys, and I can't tell you how many how many officers I, I hear, hear from. I hear from them. And yeah. I hear that they say, oh, my gosh, you know, it's so nice to know you're not dead, Annie. Although I sound a little dead today, but uh, yeah. it, it's nice to, to still have that audience of law enforcement, and they feel seen when we talk about those issues. And I, I know Sandy feels the same way. We want to be a voice for them because they deserve to have that voice, and they often don't. And that's that's one of my cause celebs because I think it's important that they have that voice. And that we're going to challenging continue to do job, it. very challenging role, and sometimes incredibly underappreciated. Annie Schwartz, thank you.